Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome into another edition of Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Davey Hudson alongside former Titan Denard Walker. And today on the show, we're going to get into the three things you need to know that have happened for the Titans over the course of the last week. And our main topic for today is discussing the coronavirus and what does that mean for the NFL as we get ready for the 2020 season? Will the season happen? Well, if it does, are fans going to be allowed to attend? Those are a few of the things that we're going to get into, so stick with us. Before we get started, I ask it every week and I'm going to ask it again. Do you believe? You know, if you enjoyed the show, I ask that you please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. We are available on all your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And you can find us at Believe.com and on social media at Believe Podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. And hey, if you're interested in advertising on this show, just please contact Believe at Believe.com. But to go ahead and jump into the three things you need to know for the Titans, Number three on the list, the Titans have wrapped up their virtual off-season program and they are getting ready to get set for training camp. And compared to what we usually see for training camp, that's going to look different based off some of the guidelines that the NFL has put in place that teams have to follow due to the coronavirus pandemic. But it's also worth noting that the Titans have had several players back in town, including quarterback Ryan Tannehill and he has been able to get some work in with some of his receivers as they get ready for training camp. It's always nice for your quarterback and your receivers to be able to get some work together. Uh, Tannehill and Jonu Smith were working together down in South Florida but now Tannehill is back in Nashville and has a better complementary of players that he will be working with for 2020 so hopefully that all is going well. Number two on the list, the Titans and star running back Derrick Henry continue to discuss the possibility of a long-term deal. Jim Wyatt writes that the Titans remain committed to signing running back Derrick Henry to a long-term deal. As we have mentioned on the show before, the Titans have until July 15th to reach a long-term deal with Derrick Henry to replace his franchise tag. And so at that point, if Henry and the Titans don't come to an agreement, he would have to play the 2020 season under that one-year franchise tag. GN John Robinson did have this to say, Derek is an important part of what we do, and we're just trying to find the spot where we all need to be and where we all want to be. That didn't really tell me much right there, but hey, I believe they are working towards a long-term deal, and hopefully they get that set up, and Derek is here for the foreseeable future, and the Titans have their complement of a one-two punch looking at Ryan Tannehill and Derek Henry, because we know that was what led the team to have such great success on the offensive side of the ball this past season. And finally, number one on the list, Clowny Watch continues. I actually have news for you guys this week on this matter. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting. The Titans on Twitter went to say that they continue to monitor free agent Jadavion Clowney. Uh, General Manager John Robinson did have this to say, I think we would be a pretty good fit for him. Yes, John, I also agree that the Titans would be a good fit for one of the best defensive ends in the league. Really, at the end of the day, he didn't have the market he was hoping for, and I don't know if he's expecting a team to go up on that offer once the season starts, if he hasn't signed by then, but for a player of his talent who have not signed with the team at this point in the in the offseason is just uh, rather odd, but again, we are in an unprecedented time, 
And I would assume that's playing an impact in Clowney's decision to sign. I mean, not being able to work out for teams has limited his opportunities, but we will see what happens. And again, I expect the Titans to sign Clowney, but like the Titans said, we'll monitor the situation. With that being said, we're going to go ahead and transition into our main topic. We are going to discuss an issue that has been at the forefront of this country for the last several months. It has shaken how things have functioned when you're talking about day-to-day lives for pretty much everyone in the country. And right now, there are several questions that are being put forth about how the coronavirus, COVID-19, it will be impacting the NFL this upcoming season. We have already seen the virus impact other sporting leagues. Whenever you're looking at the NBA having to stop their season, March Madness did not happen. All spring sports at the collegiate level were canceled. And then you have seen that Major League Baseball has been unable to figure out a way in which they would get games going. Really, from an NFL standpoint, it is not disrupted that much, at least in terms of what we, the viewers, end up seeing. The NFL draft was delayed. It was moved to a strictly online venue. We did not have the draft take place in Vegas as it was initially supposed to, but right now teams have not been able to have their OTAs. They have currently been doing all their workouts virtually, and Denard and I are going to, I guess, kind of break down what is the possible scenarios we could be looking at for the NFL season whenever September gets here. And I guess, Denard, to kind of start things off, the biggest news that has come out is that Ezekiel Elliott, a couple of other Cowboys players, and several Houston Texans players have recently tested positive for the virus. Now, taking, I know Sean Payton got it earlier in the year. You had a couple of other players on franchises that have also tested positive. With everything going on, what, what do you think right now, taking it all in, is going to happen for the upcoming season? Well, you know, like most people right now, I'm a little confused as which direction professional sports as well as college sports, what are they going to go, which direction they're going to head into. Um, I don't know how to call this because we talked about this earlier. How would this COVID-19 affect sports going forward? And we're still literally in a pandemic. You know, we're not in the middle of it. We're not at the end of it. We're still at the very beginning stages of this pandemic. We don't have a cure right now for this virus. And the fact that you're going to put all of these young men in close proximity, it basically exposes them to the risk of contracting this virus. And I had a chance, like I said earlier, we talked about Ezekiel Elliott. We talked to some of uh, there's the guys from the Houston Texans that has contracted this virus. But a lot of people don't know it's kind of surfaced down to the college level as well. Mm-hmm. There's three players, three young, well, actually one good linebacker and two incoming freshmen Uh, since they got back on campus at Oklahoma State that has contracted this virus. So the question is, is what are we going to do when more and more young men basically are close together? That is definitely a concern for a lot of people. And I I do want to add right now, I believe with Zeke and several of the other players, everything has been to where they have tested positive, but they have been asymptomatic. So they have not been showing symptoms that they have the virus. And I mean, as we continue to learn about this virus as it has spread throughout the world. A lot of people are catching it, not knowing they have it. And obviously you being a carrier, not realizing it as spread it to other people. And that has 
cause this virus to just spread so rapidly. One of the things that it seems to be more and more apparent is even though it is from a, a deadly level affecting older individuals, I believe the average, if, you, if you're under the age of 65 right. right now, your chances of dying from this virus, that's still possible, but it's not very likely whenever you're taking all these statistics into account. And so it's one of those things where living in a society realizing at some point we need to get things rolling, having to weigh the balance of, all right, how much of a risk are we willing to take as far as getting society back on track from an economic standpoint and just having people being able to go about living their daily lives to where they're able to get some fulfillment in meaningful ways versus making sure that we allow the spread to slow. We don't overwhelm the system. We bend the curve, as you have heard constantly medical professionals discuss on on news with the season right now everything that i've i've kind of gathered and i i do appreciate this pro this approach but from listening to roger goodell other people involved in sports they are not making a decision on the upcoming football season until they absolutely have to which i think is the correct way to go about it we all understand that there is a possibility things could change from day to day and then you have to adjust that way but right now, looking at what all these commissioners are saying, these people who are athletic directors, they're not wanting to make a decision until they absolutely have to. As things have started to open up from business levels throughout the country, it does look, though, like we will be having football in some form this coming season. One of the bigger questions is to how many people will be able to attend if there will be attendance. So taking that all into consideration... Denard, I wanted to read to you what the NFL chief medical officer, Dr. Alan Sills, had to say whenever he appeared on the Adam Schefter podcast uh, this earlier this week. And he said, I still do believe we're on track and I think we're in a good place. Obviously, none of us have a crystal ball and we have to acknowledge that there are some unique features of the virus we cannot predict. But if we were to continue to track on this course we seem to be on right now, I feel optimistic about us being back and playing football this fall and on the schedule we've outlined, yes, I'm still very optimistic we'll be playing football in the fall of 2020. Well, yes, he's optimistic, but I'm dealing in reality because I have an 18-year-old kid that's getting ready to head to the University of Oklahoma. He's optimistic, of course. You should be. Everybody's optimistic at this point, but you gotta, we got to get out of perception right now and get into reality. I live in Texas right now, and basically right now this virus, as we're speaking right now, is basically spreading exponentially. It is basically people are catching cases day by day. We are skyrocketing out of the roof as they continue to open up businesses. What is happening as they continue to open up water parks and all of these other uh, businesses and attractions that we do day to day. Unfortunately, people are starting to contract the virus at an all time high. And we are not out of this pandemic right now. So when I have an 18 year old that's getting ready to go to a school in July, they start July 1st, Oklahoma will be allowing their incoming freshmen to come in to work out. So what I need to do as a parent, I need to understand what, what is this virus, first of all. I think a lot of us, we're just ignoring the signs. We keep saying, well, if you're asymptomatic, I learned if you're asymptomatic, you're more likely to give somebody that virus, not even because of the way athletes, they're in a close proximity. So just by putting, let's say when you go to college, right? When, so when they start the off-season program, do you know that when you start uh, exercising and basically pushing yourself, you add up, you give yourself more of a risk to contract the virus. It spreads from the lower extremity to the upper extremity. 
It's because you're inhaling, they say, all these particles and things that you're actually bringing into your body. I was going to say, I mean, as you're talking about just working out, obviously everyone knows that whenever they are running or doing something at a high intensity cardio type style, you're going to be sucking wind. You're going to be, when you're breathing out too, you're huffing and puffing. I, I can understand like that's why gyms are requiring people to wear masks whenever they go in there. Um, Denard, I did want to ask you this question because this is something that has recently popped up. And uh, as a, a parent, I wanted to get your opinion, SMU and Ohio State have both had their players for their football program sign, they refer to them as pledges. Basically, they're, they're not wanting to look at them as legal documents, but they are essentially saying that you understand your risk of being exposed to the coronavirus by participating at the facilities that SMU have, that Ohio State have, and that you could possibly contract the virus. Your son's going to, your son's going to Oklahoma. If Oklahoma was to present your son one of those, a waiver similar to that, what's your reaction? It's very plain and simple. Is the risk greater than the reward or is the reward greater than the risk? Those are the two questions that every one of those individuals, those young men, as well as the people that are putting these, giving these waivers or whatever you want to call them, we have to answer that question at some point. And what people really don't know right now is we, we haven't gotten this virus under control yet. When you still see numbers that are spiking out of the roof, that raises concern, especially when you're dealing with young men. You don't know what they're going to do once they walk out of, off that field. They still got a life to live. So the question is, what if they get around somebody that has the virus? You know, we, we've seen where all these protests, what has happened, what has came out of these protests? Yeah, we've, we've raised some awareness as to what's going on in this country, but still there was a lot of people that contracted this virus by being in close proximity. And a lot of people right now, they're walking around as if this pandemic is over. You know, nobody's wearing gloves or masks anymore. I go to the gym in the morning. They don't have a no mask rule. So you can basically come as you are. I think that's unacceptable at this point. Until we find a vaccine, something that will either eliminate this virus or will help an individual not contract this virus, we need to still be proactive. Listen, when you go back, and I don't want to keep, I don't want to harp on this, but I want to say this. New, Zing, New, New Zealand, did you see what happened in, in their country? They had a, they didn't have no reported cases of the coronavirus. Well, two weeks ago, they had, they start their rugby season. They had two games. They nearly had all of the uh, stadiums filled to capacity and they didn't have not one case. Now, a week ago, they had two young ladies. They had two reported cases in uh, New Zealand. And what happens, two women actually traveled from the UK into their country. And basically they were exposed to the virus. So they end up, they caught them in time. So the question is, why aren't we taking more uh, measures like New Zealand, if we want to so-called get sports back, uh, get it going again, and if we're talking about packing stadiums or, or getting these young people back on the field again, shouldn't we be be proactive and going to New Zealand and saying, what are y'all doing that we're not? Because y'all are not reporting cases and we are. One of the key differences that I look at whenever I, I do view New Zealand I mean, their population, I think, for the entire country is the same as the city of New York. I know it, it's, it's, but you know what? They, they also took measures not so much to, and I understand we're like 10 times bigger than New Zealand, but I'm saying is that what measures have we taken? I mean, yes, we can do the test protocols, but the, I just found out if you're asymptomatic, you're more liable to pass the virus to another person simply by what you're doing, literally by, this is, this is what scares me right here, Dave, and I don't mean to harp on this, but. No, go for it. 
Okay, they were saying that when you go through extreme, long-lasting exercises, which when you're trying to talk about getting ready for a season, you got to work out. Yeah. You got to go in that weight room. You got to get on that track. You got to get on that field, and you got to grind. You got to get your body in shape. So how does a strength coach get guys in shape? He pushes them. He pushes them past their limit. You got to. It's the only way that you're going to simulate what's going to happen on that field. The question that I have is that knowing that if I push a guy you know, to a certain point, if he's asymptomatic, he can continue to basically hurt himself. And that's something that we haven't taken in consideration. Now, my thing is, if you don't push him enough, does that open some holes up for other things to happen, like heat exhaustion? We saw a few years ago when a guy's down in Maryland, remember the yep. uh, offensive lineman who collapsed yes. workouts? Under the, the strength and conditioning Yeah, exactly. Strength and conditioning coach. And led to DJ Durkin get fired. He didn't even coach a game at Maryland. He got fired before he can even coach one game. We saw in Minnesota in 2001 when Corey Stringer died because of heat exhaustion, heat related symptoms. So the question is, how do I push a guy? If I know that pushing an individual, even though he don't show the signs of symptoms, that can end up hurting him even worse. And that's what really it raises concern on my end as a parent. As it relates to the NFL, uh, Denard, I don't know if you saw this, but the NFL, they have the league has sent a memo to teams giving them permission to allow coaches back into their respective facility, and that would start on June 5th, so a little over a week ago. But as it relates to certain rules that they are trying to implement, they've sent forth an itemized list of how workouts and meetings are to be conducted. I'm going to read some of these to you as far as how they are trying to limit the spread for once NFL players get back into the club. But the first thing says clubs must establish physical distancing protocols to allow players and or staff to maintain six feet of distance from one another when inside the facility. Number two, clubs are required to promote physical distancing by rearranging or removing furniture and or using distance marker to assure spacing. And that includes modifying the use of common areas, displaying signs that discourage handshaking or other contact and using cones or tape to establish a one-way traffic in hallways and common corridors where possible. Number three, clubs must reconfigure locker rooms to permit six feet of space between each player. So that's by using every other locker or adding additional lockers where possible. Each player must have individual space designated to store his belongings without commingling if locker space is unavailable. And they continue to list things that go into this requirements. Uh, and another one I'll give you is like strength and conditioning workouts must be limited to small groups. I guess kind of go into about the amount of people you have. So no more than 15 players are scheduled to allow to be within a physical distance of each other when working out. The athletic training staff must require individual staggered player appointments instead of setting a single time for large groups to arrive. And then finally, meetings must be conducted virtually to the extent possible. If in-person meetings are necessary, clubs must make efforts to hold in-person meetings outdoors with participants sitting apart from one another and wearing masks. That's great. I love those rules. But what happens when you have to play on Sundays or Monday night? What happens when guys are engaging in physical contact? You can't avoid that. You can't. It's you a can't. contact sport. Yeah, it's a contact sport. And that's where we need to, like, we got to figure this out because we can't play two-hand touch. <laughs> that's not going to work. 
So that's the biggest question that I have. Yeah, we can be proactive when we're working in our own facilities or in our environment, but what happens when we got to get on a plane and travel to Las Vegas or New York? What happens when guys are engaging? You got to understand football is a violent sport, is a physical sport. Guys are passing everything that you can imagine to each other on that field. Guys are breathing. They're breathing. You know, you can hear it. You can see it. There's, there's blood that's passed from one individual to another. I'm telling you, what's going to happen when there's physical engagement? That's the biggest question that I have. Now, these, these rules are great and all, mm-hmm. but what happens when the actual game starts? That would, be, that would be my biggest concern because when you leave that facility, where do you go? I mean, let's be honest with you. Not 90% of guys are probably not going to go home and, 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 and just going to sit there and self-quarantine. Guys are going to have to get out. They're going to get out and go have a beer or something like that. So the question is, is what do we do then when the physical engagement actually starts to happen? That's my concern. I, I can deal with all of the six feet away, you're over here, I'm over here, virtual meetings, things like that. But what happens when the game starts? If, if we're just being honest, there's no way they can prevent that from happening if they plan on playing. And Exactly. And, and right now, this was released earlier today, Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network put out that NFL teams they are planning to test their players for COVID-19 at least three times per week. And if you are tested positive, you will have to be isolated. So obviously with teams trying to get back together and this information that's according to the NFL Players Association Medical Director, Tom Mayer, who put forth this plan. This was actually yesterday on a conference call with mm-hmm. agents. And so Meyer added that there's a 90% chance the NFL will have reliable saliva testing available before players return to facilities at some time in July. And uh, Damar Smith, the NFLPA's executive director, noted on the call his organization, quote, expects to make headway on overall protocols over the next month or so, with most teams not expected to report for summer training camp until late into July. And again, like I know we started the show off talking about how Zeke Elliott and other players for the Cowboys and the Texans tested positive. And at the end of the day, there's no way you're going to be able to stop the spread of this virus. And whenever you're talking about a vaccine, there's never been a successful vaccine for a coronavirus. I know when we're talking about a coronavirus, this is the one that kind of comes to mind. But anytime you catch a common cold, that is a form of a coronavirus. This one is just so much is one of those where people don't experience symptoms typically before they actually go ahead and transfer the disease to someone else. So that's been the problem in stopping it. So I am by no means optimistic that a vaccine, even if they do get it, will be able to stop it. And um, and, and just like a, using another real, real world example, whenever you go and you get a flu shot, that flu shot is for a specific strain of the flu. Right. You are still likely to catch another strain of the flu because the way the doctors are basically setting up that vaccine every year is they are tracking certain migratory paths from certain animals. And if they expect that flu to kind of be the strain that's so-called in that year, that's how they try to temper and make that vaccine. As it relates to if you do catch it, sometimes just having the vaccine can lessen the side effects that you have. So hopefully if that is a case and they are able to find a way to get some sort of a vaccine, but as far as a vaccine that just wipes it out, that's not happening. It is, it's June the 16th. We're literally about a month away from training camp. Okay. We're a month away. And so my biggest question, if we're, if we're a month away from training camp, we got to get something into play right now. I mean, if, if something don't comes in a month, again, as I alluded to earlier, what do I tell my son? I said, you got to ask yourself this, 
is the reward greater than the risk or the risk greater than the reward? Because that's really what we're dealing with. We're dealing with young men. So the question is, is you know, when you put that uniform on, that there's a chance that you can get exposed to this virus. And there's no guarantees that your body will uh, basically get used to it or it can able to combat the virus like everybody else's. Because we might, we might all have something that we don't know about. If they always talk about underlying conditions is what usually a lot of people end up, that's what the serious complications really come from. It really scares me right now because when I start seeing these players, the three at Oklahoma State, the question is, as we start with three, the question is, is what happens a month from now? Does that skyrocket to 10 to 15 to 20? Or are we going to start having to pull back? So that's the biggest concern that I have is that we starting off right now, we talk about Ezekiel. And the question that I have, if you do catch it, let's say Tom Brady catches it before the first, you know, I hope not, but I'm saying, what do you do then if you got three guys that test positive on a Thursday or Friday and you got a game on Sunday? playing your backups they're not going to be able to get on the field i mean it's as simple as that if they test positive we have to isolate them that's yeah. i think the nfl's already put forth that rule i will and denard just i'm going to preface this like i, I don't want you to get mad at me because i am i'm never going to be able to get into the mindset at this moment of someone who is a parent i do feel that we have to separate college football and the nfl because one we're talking about people who this is their job they're getting played when we're talking about nfl players and so for those guys, I mean, they have to kind of make that decision. Is it worth me possibly contracting this virus by going out and playing? Is that worth the paycheck? And, and for some of them, they're going to say it is. Yeah. And when you're, when you're looking at the statistics for, for the college kids, and I, I think I made some people frustrated on my morning show the other day because I was looking at the data that has been presented by the CDC. And when you're looking at people that fall into the 18 to 24 age range, which I'm just one year outside of that, the data shows the likelihood of me dying from the coronavirus, I have the same chance of dying in a car accident on my way to work. I read that too. For me, I'm if, if I were a college athlete, I understand like how I, how passionate I am about sports. If I was in a situation where I was playing, I would be taking that risk personally. And I understand if players don't want to have to do that. And I, I do want to state, based off the waivers that these schools are signing, they are, these players are by no means in a situation to where they could lose their scholarship if they don't sign the waiver. They, right. They've made that clear because I, I would tell you, if they did not include that in there, you want to talk about opening yourself up to some litigation. That is a nightmare no compliance department is wanting to have to deal with whatsoever. The biggest thing for me is I totally expect football to happen whenever we get to September. My biggest concern is to what extent in certain areas are fans able to attend. And because when you, you take a step back and you look at it from, all right, I know we're talking about a team that's, with the NFL, they're in higher populated areas. I know Nashville, whenever you're looking at Tennessee and right. how the coronavirus has impacted this state, Nashville's been the worst area. Over here in Knoxville, right now we have four people in the hospital with the coronavirus. Right. More and, and, and yeah, and so it's, it's a thing to where I understand in certain areas like New York where it has, right. you just want to talk about decimated a population. That has been bad. So, like, I can understand the New York Jets, the New York Giants, not being in a situation where they're wanting to let fans in that area. And whenever it comes down to it at the end of the day, I think it relates to a local level for what is being put in place by, we'll say, mayors, governors, and just school presidents, officials. And then, obviously, we know whenever it comes to the NFL, uh, the league is going to make that call from up above. I think they are going ahead and putting it in place to where they will have certain facilities on hand to play in areas that aren't as impacted 
as you see some of these big cities are? Well, you could just look at UFC right now. You know, look at what they're doing. Look at what Dana White is doing as far as the testing protocols. I think he's done a great job. Uh, again, fighters, when they go in that octagon, they don't have 25,000 uh, people screaming and cheering for them now. Basically, there's no one. There's probably what the boss, Dana White. There's the judges. And when you look out in the, in the audience, there's uh, what writers, maybe a few writers here and there. And that's it. But typically, whatever they're doing, it's working because they've only had one guy that tested uh, for the coronavirus. And he actually, they didn't have that card. So maybe this is what is sports is going to come to is that we're going to see basically the players playing uh, and we're not going to see that many people in a stand. Uh, we're not going to see the typical hundred and some thousand, hundred thousand plus at down in Knoxville, just like we're not going to see the 105,000 plus down at the Baton Rouge anymore, down in Tiger Stadium. So I guess that's what sports is going to look like uh, this upcoming year is basically we're just going to watch it on television and we're just going to have to cheer from there uh, because that's the way it looks. I, I look at UFC. I'm a big UFC. Uh, I love UFC. I think what they're doing as far as their testing protocols is working. They haven't uh, have any, none of their athletes have been affected by this virus. They're still putting on um, really some great fights, great cards. And so I think what they're going to do is take a page out of the UFC. And I think that's what we need to get ready for is, but that's, I guess that's the pageantry of the game that we're going to miss. We're going to miss that because that's really what really to me is what makes up the core of sports or the fans. I think that's what we all, we keep putting in our minds is the fans participation. And, I, and I, that's going to be the hard thing not not seeing. I know for my son, it's going to be hard going down, probably playing if, uh, playing against Oklahoma State, and there's probably going to be about 20 people in the stands. But <laughs> that's reality, you know. And I told him, you got to understand that is reality. Unfortunately, unfortunately for you, you won't probably experience that until another year from now. So you got to get that in your mindset. Yeah. If that's the mentality or the approach that you want to take, if the NCAA and the NFL are going to take, because I'm just like you. If I'm in New York, I'm not going to a game. I'm not going to a game. I'm not going out to Cowboys Stadium when when Dallas plays. I just, not right now. The numbers have shown when you put masses of people together, your odds, on, your odds of catching this increases by some 60%. So that's maybe the mindset that we're going to have to take going into this sports, this, this upcoming season for NBA, NFL, you know, baseball, you name it. Well, the, the NBA, I mean, they, they're dealing with their own issues as far as trying to get their bubble city pretty much put together, yeah. having two months to three months for some players just being completely isolated from the rest of the world. Yeah, That's something they're trying to get going to where they can continue their season, have the playoffs. And we've, kind of witness some back and forth between certain players in that league and it's still to be determined in how everything will be sorted out for them but Denard this is a topic that we will continue to discuss as we have updates throughout the offseason as we approach the regular season and and I know that we're we're a Titans-based show. We usually focus on the NFL, but for, for especially a lot of our fan base are, play, are people that live in the southeastern footprint and are also fans of college football. And, and I mean, like we talk about being SEC boys, we know what it's like to have those fans and go back to that pageantry that you were talking about where at LSU and, and UT, we have over 100,000 yeah. people and, and just know what that's like. Not having that, it's going to be different. Just seeing where things go, it's anyone's guess at this point. My message to the fans right now is remain optimistic but if things don't go the way you want don't be upset because there are more important things than football in the moment you, you said it best uh in other parts of the country that might apply but in the south <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. 
<laughs> you, can't, you can't tell a lot of people from that because I know people live for their universities, their school. I mean, I've, I've met a guy about 10, year, 10 years ago at an LSU game, me and my son, and he had been going to the game since 1960, and he's never missed a game. And I thought, God, that's beautiful. For people in those neck of the woods, there's not a lot of pro franchises. You know, you know as well as I know. Down in Knoxville for a while, it was just Tennessee. Yeah. You know, until the Titans moved to Nashville in 1997, that's all you had was your college teams. I went to school in Baton Rouge. We had, of course, you had the Saints, but they took a back seat at the time to Louisiana State. You go to Auburn, Alabama. You go to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Those are your sports franchises. Those are your teams. Those are your schools. That's You bleed those schools' colors. And it's going to be hard, but yeah, you, you're absolutely right. The one thing I will say about this virus is it puts all of us in the same situation. We're literally in survival mode. And we're literally... What this has taught me more than anything is empathy because we're all going through the same thing at the end of the day. And I think the thing that we we find outlets in this world, we find it through sports. That's why sports is so huge. This is why we hold our athletes, we put them such on a pedestal. That's why we want to hear what they got to say about social is- issues, injustices. We want to we want to go to athletes before we go to anybody else, before we go to politicians. We want to talk to athletes. We want to talk to LeBron James, Steph Curry, because we hold those athletes in such high regards. But right now, if this pandemic, if it hasn't taught me anything, it's taught me about empathy. This is not a Black thing. It's not a white thing. It's a, it's a human thing where all of us are experiencing. Even animals have to go through this. You got to quarantine your animals. I can't let my dog around his best friend you know, it's, it's little things like that. You know, you think about it. I didn't even realize that animals have been impacted by this as well. So, you know, again, you're absolutely right. There's more important things right now. And I would tell people right now just to just fight through this time. You know, we can't go we can't go around it. We have to go through this pandemic, but we're going to get through it. It's just going to take some time. Patience is a virtue. It is. The coronavirus is something that we will continue to keep you updated on whenever we get some new information. We'll make sure to let you know. So stay tuned. With that being said, that is going to wrap it up for us today. You have been listening to Believe in Titans. For Denard Walker, I'm Davey Hudson. And as always, tighten up. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.